Chance. That's Hello and Cree. Welcome to Catching Frogs. I'm Wendy Stewart. Thanks for joining me today. I'm grateful to the Canada Council for the Arts for their support of this project on my journey to reconnect with my Cree and Métis roots and to revisit the history of Canada through the lens of Indigenous women and their significant contribution. But none of this would be possible had it not been for the tireless commitment of Donna Sutherland, my second cousin, and the 10 years of her dedicated research. We begin. July 7th. I am up and ready to tour with Sea North to cross the Churchill River aboard a Zodiac. It's a huge river at its mouth. The river rises in northwestern Saskatchewan and flows 1,609 kilometers to Hudson Bay. The Cree called it Missinippi, meaning great waters. A bus takes us to the east side of the mouth of the river, and there we are divided into three groups to travel aboard the Zodiacs across the river to the fort. My stomach is busy doing calisthenics as we ease away from the dock and head to open water. Large pieces of ice bob the river's surface and a wall of ice marks the opening into the wide expanse of Hudson Bay. The fort comes into view and emotion washes over me. I'm grateful for the mosquito netting that hides my face. It is a beautiful sunny day. The sky is incredibly blue. The journey across the mouth of the river isn't too long, but as we get closer to shore, I think of Samuel Hearn's painting, the one he did circa 1780, and I say to myself, this is what he was looking at when he began to draw. Hearn was standing in the foreground of the painting in full military uniform, with arm raised, a sword drawn, pointing out to the big body of water, to Hudson Bay. His wife Mary was standing beside him, draped in a blanket coat. He could be pointing to our zodiac as it approaches the shore. The backdrop in the artwork is the bay with sloop and shallop on the water and a full-rigged ship. If it was indeed 1780, the King George was the fall ship with Captain Fowler in command, coming to anchor in the harbour some days before the first entry of the journal. On September 8th, Hearn wrote, quote, At half past 10 a.m., the ship began to get underway, and at 11 she sailed by the fort, at which time Captain Fowler saluted the garrison with nine guns, which complement we returned with the same number. End quote. The King George was on its way to York Fort and then home to England. The Zodiac pulls up on the gravel shore. In careful precision, we all sit on the inflated edge of the boat, swing our legs over and step onto the two-step bench and gracefully disembark the rubber boat. We crunch our way across the stones to a wooden catwalk. We are quickly gathered into a group to discuss safety procedures of watching for polar bears. Two men armed with rifles on ATVs will guard the perimeter of the group, binoculars poised, attentive to all movement on the tundra. There is no place to hide. A warning would be sounded if a bear was spotted. 
They tell of one day after all the fort's visitors had been loaded onto Zodiacs when a, a huge polar bear appeared as if from nowhere. It strolled along the waterfront, the small storage buildings and bathrooms behind him. I decided at that point that feeling anxious wasn't going to change anything, so I decided instead to focus on what was before me. We headed out on the wooden catwalk, built just slightly higher than the tundra's foliage. Yellow and pink flowers were everywhere. I lagged behind, strolling with my own thoughts, remembering again Hearn's painting. I stood where the garden had been placed in the drawing, to the right of the catwalk, rows of potatoes and turnips. The fort in the distance was massive, despite it being only the reconstruction of the ruined stone walls. Hearn had drawn large stacks of firewood next to the gardens. The huge wooden door opened into the centre courtyard of the fort, reminding me of castle doors with drawbridges and iron grate falling into position in the nick of time. Living quarters were off to the left. Grass was now tall where a cobblestone courtyard would have once been. Wooden stairs led up to the parapet along which 42 cannons once stood. The view out to the bay was breathtaking. Ice flows as far as the eye could see, the sky a gorgeous blue. Two men, one of which was the talker from the train, were discussing their differences of opinion in regard to war. The talker spoke from a place of self-appointed expert, and the second... An older British man seemed to be speaking from experience. I left them to it and walked to the farthest corner of the fort's exterior wall. I gazed out to sea, ice all the way to the horizon. Below the fort, toward the bay, had once been a protective wall, a stockade to hold back the wind, and on the inside of this wall is where the Churchill Home Guard Cree had erected an assembly of their teepees, Four shown in the drawing, but who knows how many there were. In the drawing, smoke came from the chimneys of the wooden structures extending above the fort wall. Everything they needed for life was here. I imagine Nahue as an eight-year-old child running with her friends between the structures, the wind fresh off the bay, the ship's arrival and departure, a normal event in her life. She must have felt safe inside the fort and around it, life following a predictable pattern. But then... We spent an e a leisurely time exploring the fort. The guide explained to us what a loose cannon expression refers to, a cannon being knocked off its carriage and rendered useless. She talked of the gardens and the positioning of the fort in regards to protecting all its sides. Ironic. On our way out, the guide asked us to move the hardware and latch of the big door to figure out how to open it. None of us could. A tricky bit of protection. A stone wall had been built in front of the door to prevent it from being rammed by the mast of a ship being used as a battering ram by an enemy. Again, ironic. The fort was originally to have a moat around it, the idea from medieval times, I suppose, but it was more of a ditch that crumbled eventually, growing over with grass. 
We walked back along the wooden catwalk to the waiting zodiacs. The time had gone quickly, and I wanted to stay, wanted to nestle into a corner of the fort, wanted to dig up the garden and gather berries and flowers and wait for Nahue to join me. We climbed into the Zodiacs for the return trip across the river. One Zodiac went to the mouth of the river to meet the edge of the ice flows. Our Zodiac turned upriver looking for belugas, and within a few minutes we were surrounded. Belugas love the sound and waves created by the outboard motors. The propeller is covered with a cage to protect the small whales from being injured in their curiosity. Most of the whales who surfaced were gray in color, therefore not fully mature. We only saw a couple of white whales and they stayed far enough away. Most of those who surfaced had at least one or two deep scars on their backs from run-ins with the ice pack. A couple had very deep wounds. Their faces were childlike and playful, and before much time had passed, the water was absolutely teeming with young beluga whales. It is impossible to describe and impossible to capture on our cameras. All we could do was watch in wonder, our hands on our chests, the sight incredible. The Zodiac driver guide had been doing this job for 10 years and had never been witness to such a sight as this in any year previous. We floated motionless in the river as the belugas churned the water around us and beyond as far as we could see. Thousands of belugas. Was it a sign from Nahue, or was it just a lovely coincidence, one which I will never forget? The bus was waiting to take us back to Sea North on the main street. It had been a good day. I walked down to the Lazy Bear restaurant. It was hot. I ordered a vanilla milkshake, $12. It was delicious, cooled my insides. The tables and chairs were all made from spruce logs or something of that sort, heavily coated with urethane. It was a busy spot, people calling across the restaurant in conversation with each other, most talking about the pending via rail strike. My return trip was to leave on Saturday evening on the train. If the strike happened, passengers would be stranded on the rail line somewhere. Getting home would be a challenge. I returned to the B&B. Later in the day, a new guest arrived from B.C. She had arrived without a reservation of any kind in the hopes of finding work and accommodations through that. She wasn't young, possibly deep into her 60s. She wasn't phased by having no concrete plan, but she was coughing, and she coughed all night long. The rest of us started wearing our masks indoors. I booked a flight with Comair after for a one-way to Winnipeg on Saturday morning, not willing to take the risk with Via Rail. The flight cost over $1,200. Another guest in the B&B was now sick. I sat by myself on the flight. The woman contacted me the next day to say she tested positive for COVID. I woke up Monday morning sick and tested positive for COVID. 
I loaded my belongings, jumped in my car with the hope of not infecting my cousins with whom I was staying. Luck wasn't on my side or theirs. It was a gruesome journey, my fever raging, my cough beginning, my chest filling. I slept in my car in Thunder Bay because no hotel space was available. Talk about not being prepared. My daughters made a reservation for me in Wawa for that night. I arrived at 3 p.m. and fell into bed, sleeping hard between bouts of coughing and nothing to eat. I couldn't risk infecting others. Into my car early. After seven days of driving, I made it home weak and weary. My daughter filled up my fridge with food before I arrived. I fell into bed and coughed for the next six weeks. But nothing could spoil the experience I had exploring the land where Nahue walked. I won't bore you with the details of getting home and how sick I was. But the next time we meet, I hope to begin reading the nonfiction essays about Nahue. This has been such an incredible experience, and I have learned so much. Hi, hi, which means thank you. Hi, hi, for joining me and for listening. I hope you have learned something. I hope you have a clearer picture of what this time in history was. And I hope you are inspired to seek out your own ancestors. Bye for now.